Hello, and welcome to Football Masterminds. I'm Reese Desmond, and I am joined today by the man who lives and breathes the Euros. Here is Russell Toe. Hey Reese, thanks for having me here. Really excited. Uh, group A, B, and C have been concluded. I really liked how you said thanks for having me as if I was going to like kick you out of your own show as like... <laughs> As if I'm just gonna be like, yeah, Russell, we're not gonna have you on tonight. Uh, it's just not, it's not your day today. But no Costi here because I did actually kick him out. Uh, I just said it's gonna be just me and Russell today. So I guess I did deserve a thank you after all. Uh, but yes, we're gonna go through all of the groups that have finished. Uh, we're gonna talk about Group C, Group B, and Group A in that order, a very backwards order, but in the order that uh, we've most recently seen them. Uh, because it's fresh in the mind. And then we'll obviously talk a bit about the England-Czech Republic situation, as well as the group of death, and go through all of the exciting things happening there. So let's start with the Belgium, Finland, Denmark, Russia situation that just unfolded. It went back and forth as these two matches went on. In the end, Belgium beating Finland 2-0, Denmark beating Russia 4-1. Russell, it felt like a bit of a lackluster game by Belgium, even though they got the job done in the end. Yeah, I know Belgium obviously is one of the favorites to possibly win the Euros, but I'm not too convinced because I think um, especially their performance against um, Denmark a few days ago, yes, uh, they had Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard and um, I think Axel Witzel came on. Those three just changed the game and it was mostly Kevin De Bruyne who changed the game, but not really that impressed. Uh, as you said today, um, also Belgium versus Finland, they were lucky to have scored the first goal, which is uh, which was an own goal from Finland. Yeah, you're right. They look like, like luster. I don't think there's anything, um, any drive. Um, they tried to score, but um, I think Finland played really well in defense. There were a couple of times where Finland could actually have scored, but um, I think at the end of the day, Belgium was going to win this group uh, either way with nine points. Yeah, exactly. I think it was inevitable that Belgium were going to score, but for about 70 minutes there, they really didn't look like they wanted to. But the thing was that Finland didn't look like they wanted to either. So for 70 minutes of this, it was just kind of like very patient attacking play. And then Belgium would get Jeremy Daku on the ball every once in a while, who would like really drive forward and try to make a name for himself a bit more because he's 19 years old and wants to prove that he actually should be in the lineup right now. And I thought he was like one of Belgium's best players along with De Bruyne, who I thought was still very good despite all the patience Belgium had. But I think they have a lot to figure out. Like the left wing back situation is a debate, I would say, because I thought Chadwick was woeful today and I don't think he'll start next game over Carrasco or Torgan Hazard, but I don't know which one of them will. And then I feel like the midfield balance still sort of needs to be corrected there, where if they want to be more defensive in the knockout stages to combat the lack of actual standout defenders that they have, going with Witzel and Tillemans seems like the best fit, but in order to actually have more attacking presence, you would probably want De Bruyne in there, and that way you can also fit Aiden Hazard in somewhere. So I think there's there's so much to figure out for Belgium, whereas I think most other teams heading into the round of 16 at this point don't have that much to figure out. Yeah, and especially for Belgium, in their case, they can actually have one of the toughest routes to the final possibly ever because um, they could possibly play a third-place team from Group F 
And um, I know we're going to touch on predictions after, but I'll just let you know my prediction. I think Portugal will end up third. You said that from the start, didn't you? Like the the very first show we did on Euros, you're like, Portugal going to finish third. Yeah. Now it looks likely. Now it looks likely, right? I never changed my mind. I always knew that France and Germany were better. We'll see for sure after France versus Portugal, but um, there is a small chance um, that Portugal plays Belgium. And if Belgium beats Portugal, which is great, um, I don't know whether that's likely either. They most likely will play Italy after. They're definitely going to have to figure out um, their squad. I think we'll just wait and see. Time will tell. Let's quickly talk about Denmark as well. They advanced as well on four goals from four different players today, which was a, a good way to come back from their opening day. Their youngest ever scorer of a goal at a, at a tournament, Mikkel Damsgaard, great goal. And he looked like he could be one to to watch for the future here. Um, Hoiberg was excellent, like, assisting two goals. Their 4-1 win over Russia sends Finland through as well to the next round, but I would be massively surprised if Finland had any shot of progressing here, whereas I think Denmark's match against Belgium and the spirit that they showed in that game probably indicates that they should have a better chance depending on their opposition. Yes, so they play Wales. Um, that's okay. going to be exciting. Um, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen there because Wales have been great as well. I don't think Wales were good against Switzerland, but they picked it up after. Their performance against Turkey really showed that they were capable. Same with Denmark. Denmark today, one of the most impressive teams that I've watched in terms of like a single game. So today, basically. Denmark, alas, they lost the first two games. And, you know, whatever happened in that first round was very devastating for a lot of people. Um, it's very hard for a team like Denmark to come back from that. Uh, Russia was second and Finland was third. And Denmark absolutely had to win. Not only win, but they definitely had to win by a larger margin so they can get a good goal difference. Thankfully for them, they won 4-1, which is great. And now they're second. Very impressed. Yeah, me too. And I think they definitely saved us from a much less exciting match of what would have been Finland versus Wales then. Uh, because I think that Wales-Denmark match actually sounds very intriguing with those two teams being pretty level playing field. That's going to be one to watch for sure. North Macedonia 0, Netherlands 3. They are looking like one of the most efficient teams at the tournament right now. Their attack is firing on all cylinders. Their defense looks very solid. Frankie Dion has been absolutely running the show in midfield. I have been so impressed with the Netherlands. I think they look like one of the best teams at the tournament, along with Italy, um, who we're also going to talk about. But how impressed were you with their performance today up against North Macedonia? Yeah, I was very impressed. Netherlands play one of the most exciting football, in my opinion. Very free-flowing attacking. Every single player um, knows their role. Every single player wants to be a leader in the team, right? There's no player that sits back and hides. Mm -hmm. Dumfries, today Dumfries wasn't that good, but he was very good against Austria. But we have Malin coming in. Memphis Depay, as usual, always great. I think Memphis Depay and Georgino Wijnaldum are actually one of the two best players in the Euros. Can I ask you about that as well as a Liverpool fan? What do you think of Vinaldum's advanced role and how well it's actually benefiting his ability to get forward and score goals? I think it works really well with Netherlands uh, just because um, of the team around him. A lot of the players, like I said, it's just free-flowing. They play really well. They're very creative, right? As compared with teams like Spain and England where like it's very slow. Uh, the strikers, they don't really know where to run and what to do. Um, but Netherlands, everybody's just going up and helping each other. He's always been capable. He's always scored goals that are very important. 
And um, these goals are not easy as well. He's always been the type to find himself in the right places, the right time. He he doesn't score a lot. He scores like five to ten goals a season. But yeah, I'm very impressed with um, Genie Wijnaldum. Yeah, his movement into the box has always been very good. This advanced role is giving him that chance to actually showcase that a bit more, especially with such a creative player in Memphis Depay, who is able to constantly feed chances into the box. Um, so I've been super impressed with the way they've played as a whole um, and getting different strengths out of their players that you might not necessarily see at club level as well. Like even someone like De Vrij, who plays at the middle of a back three for Inter Milan, but is playing on the right of the back three to get forward a bit more, carry the ball, advanced into the right half space, high up the field, and sort of create these overloads on the right side as well with Dumfries. I think De Boer has always been under a lot of criticism uh, as like a manager for whatever reason, and he has had spells that didn't work out for him at club level, but he seems to have struck gold in a lot of ways with this Netherlands team. And uh, I will be interested to see how they adapt against tougher opposition especially defensively because they've adapted a 3-4-3 sort of pressing shape which means against teams that are actually going to use more width against them and look to really break them down in the wide areas that Memphis Depay might have to have a more defensive role and I'm not sure how that's gonna go because he's been so good going forward and you want him to be up there as much as possible but for now, like it's it's great signs to see from Netherlands, and I think they, I'm pretty sure they have an easier, like the easier side of the bracket here. Uh, you're right. Netherlands have the absolutely have the absolute easiest bracket, only if they don't play a team from Group F. So basically, Netherlands will play a third place team. It can either be a team from Group D, E, or F. If they play F, it's probably going to be Portugal. If not, mm. it's still going to be a very tough team. And I think if they play France and Germany, it'll be a different story, right? Those free, that free-flowing style is not going to happen. Um, might not happen because they need to have the ball. They need to have possession. And they need to have players like Malin and um, Depay to just run. Netherlands, they use speed very well, right? It's different from England. Like, they have England has speedy players. But number one, Gareth Southgate doesn't even play them in the first place. Yes, Raheem Sterling is probably the fastest player in the English squad, but even having someone as like Harry Kane, who is performing poorly, slows down the play, doesn't help them too much. So yeah, we'll see from that. But um, if Netherlands don't play a third place team from Group F, yeah, they're gonna, I think it's an easy route for them to the semis. Okay, I'll just quickly touch on Austria as well here. Austria won, Ukraine nil. Austria go through to the next round. Ukraine finish in third here with a chance of still going through. Um, Austria changed up their formation today. The, I didn't feel like three at the back was really working that well, especially just Alaba at the base of that, even though it was unique and cool and fun and it brought out some of his strengths. It also certainly brought out his weaknesses. Um, and I felt like he was much better today as like that more natural left back position. Eventually getting the assist as well on a corner kick to Kristoff uh, Baumgartner to have Austria go through to the next round on six points. So that's going to be another team to watch in the knockout stages. I don't know how far they will go. But the team that is surprised the most, I would say, as genuine favorites right now after the group stage matches with three wins from three matches, 
seven goals scored in their nine games without conceding a single one. Italy have been so impressive, even after adjusting personnel against Wales in this final group stage match. They looked very, very strong. Just so you know, Reese, uh, Italy plays Austria um, okay. in the round of 16. So Goodbye, Austria. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, okay. Italy played Wales in the last game, 1-0. Could have been more. Italy played, I think, 8 out of 11 players were all subs. They they knew we were going through. Um, they are also one of the tournament favorites. They didn't have to play the strongest team. I think Italy has been a very, very exciting team. Italy and both Netherlands, so-called the Dark Horses, definitely the two strongest of the Dark Horses. Um, and yeah, Italy just played really exciting football. I'm very impressed with the defense, though. It's very hard to break them down. And especially when you have, like two veterans in Chiellini and Bonucci is just really, really hard. And Italy's group wasn't even that easy. They had teams that could play. Switzerland and Wales are both teams that can play very well, and Italy just made it look so easy. So I'm also very excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, the the nice thing for Italy in this match, the ability to rotate players around also gave them a chance to see if certain things happen where, say, Locatelli picks up an injury, can Verratti come in and play just as well and the answer was absolutely yes he was completely bossing the game not just from a possession standpoint but also from the exact same ways we've been talking about with Jorginho and Locatelli as well in terms of their defensive solidity and behind that left wing back um, and the ability to just easily win possession back again and go on the hunt for the goals once more. Pessina also fit in just very naturally for Barella and the the Chiellini thing is maybe a worry. It looks to me like his tournament's probably over, and Bastoni and Acerbi are good players. It's probably a bit of a drop-off between uh, Chiellini and those two, but it's not the worst thing in the world, especially when Italy just keeps so much of the possession that it makes the opposition's ability to score goals so much more difficult. Yeah, it, I think losing Keane is obviously a big blow because he's obviously that captain figure. He's also really, really good in his role. If you replace him with the players that you mentioned, they're also good, but I think it's kind of like saying Netherlands losing Virgil van Dijk and replacing him with another defender. It's a big blow, but we'll see. I, I think Illy still have what it takes to go all the way, honestly. Um, I really like that front trio in Lorenzo Insigne, Chiro Mobile and Berardi. The only thing is, I think uh, Chiesa should start. I think that would be a better squad. But apart from that, I, I don't think I have any problems with this Illy squad. I think they're just very strong. I think Berardi fits the system potentially better, but it would be close because Chiesa can do a lot of the same things. Holding the width, driving in field with the ball at pace, uh, the ability to finish off chances as well. I think he would fit just as well as Berardi. So I'm, I am interested to see if... Chiesa does ever actually start a match in favor of Berardi here. But I tend to think Mancini's going to have the same consistency he's had throughout the first two matches of this group stage. Let's quickly comment on Switzerland and Turkey as well. I'm interested to get your take on Jordan Shakiri here scoring two goals uh, in Switzerland's 3-1 win over Turkey. And that, I think, today sends them through to the next round with Ukraine and Finland automatically now worse than them in terms of third place teams. So what's your what's your take on the Jordan Shakiri situation at Liverpool versus Switzerland? 
why is he so good for Switzerland and like the talisman and then not really ever given the chance to shine for Liverpool? Is there just not a position that suits him at the Liverpool formation? That's a good question. I think Shredan Shakiri is the same player in both teams. I think we have to take into account that yes, like Switzerland and Liverpool, number one, are both different teams. Shakiri obviously starts for Switzerland. He's probably the best player in Switzerland alongside Granit Xhaka. Um, and yes, he's played in a more advanced role for Switzerland, where he's like that, yeah, like you said, the talisman, the player that people rely on. Shakiri is not really relied on Liverpool. It's Salah, Mane, and Firmino, right? Shakiri plays in a more supportive role. But basically, if you look at the, the teams, right, like Turkey, Wales, and um, Italy, they're definitely easier than like Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, right? So I, th- I think that's also Maybe one not thing to take into account. Maybe not Arsenal, huh. but um, that's the second one. So I think, you know, just a combination of like, yeah, being more advanced in Switzerland, being that person that, you know, people rely on. And also, I think he's just naturally a bigger game player when it comes to performing for his country. Do you think he should leave and go to like a Bundesliga side with a lot of his Swiss teammates here? Or do you think he should stick it out at Liverpool? Nah, I think he should stick it on Liverpool. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's just better. It's just a better way to polish his career even more. I think if he sticks with Liverpool, I think he's guaranteed to win one, two more trophies. Fair enough. He was the standout star in this match, though, and it, it kind of makes you wonder if he could be utilized better. Uh, but Turkey were just abysmal in this entire thing. We all pegged them as being one of the dark horses, and I hate using that term, but they came into this with a lot of players in very good form, some Liga title winners, the likes of Soyuncu and a very good goalkeeper as well, and they just didn't look up for it from the very first match when Italy ended up having that 3-0 win, that second half performance, and it just seemed to kill off their confidence for the rest of the tournament. You're right. The first game against Italy, I don't think that was any situation or any other universe where Turkey wins that one. I think before the game, they haven't lost in like the past like 26, 27 games, and they haven't conceded in the past like seven games. And you're right. It definitely lowered their morale. And they came in against Wales, who weren't even that great to begin with. And I think it's more that Wales game against Turkey that we really saw that Turkey just, they weren't cut up for it. They seem to kind of rely on Yilmaz a lot, but Yilmaz himself, he had a poor tournament. You know, when he plays against Wales and Switzerland, he's trying to do it all by himself. It's not easy. Yeah, Turkey were so poor at this tournament. So disappointing to see them go out without really ever establishing any sort of a foothold in any of their three games. The same has not happened to Hungary, though, who have now drawn their second match against France after holding out to the 85th minute against against Portugal and eventually conceding three in the last five minutes there. But I, I'm very surprised with uh, Hungary's performance against France and the fact that France had such a difficult time breaking Hungary down. Yeah, H- Hungary has definitely been one of the, um, I would say, the most liked mm-hmm. teams in Euros because they are clearly the outlier in Group F, right? So Group F has France, Germany, and Portugal. And Hungary, but um, they weren't, you know, Hungary didn't come in, they weren't scared. They come into play and they really showed it against Portugal, like you mentioned. It was 0 0 up until the 85th minute. Who knows? Like that game really could have ended 0 0 and that would end, like change the entirety of the group, right? If that game ended 0 0, 
then Portugal will be in big trouble because they would only have one point um, instead of three. So, yeah, against France, Hungary played really well defensively. Watching the highlights again or anything, France had so many clear chances. It's just an off game for France. I think usually players like Mbappe, Griezmann would easily put the ball in two times, two times or three times. But uh, I think what really changed the game was Hungary scoring first. They had that one breakaway and they made the most out of it. But really hats off to Hungary. They've done well. And after this, they play Germany. Wow, Germany against Portugal. That was an amazing game. Yeah, 4-2, a, one of the best games of the tournament so far, the highest scoring of the tournament so far. We, on the previous episode of Football Masterminds that Russell wasn't a part of, we talked about Germany just being terrible in attack against France and us not having much hope of them actually being able to turn that around and start to have a more attacking influence on matches. And then all of a sudden they come up with Kimmich and Gosens just flying forward from wingback and four goals against what I said before Kinsella got injured or got out because of COVID um, was the best defense at the tournament, Russell. I'll just start a bit by talking about the France and Germany game. So honestly, I thought the France and Germany game was pretty 50-50. I don't think France is better in Germany. I think they're pretty much similar. It's whoever better on the day or whoever is more lucky on the day that wins. So, you know, France, they score it. Pogba gave a beautiful ball to um, Hernandez, I believe, and he, you know, uh, squared it to Hummels to score an own goal. But um, I thought Germany played extremely well that game. Really? I thought they showed nothing going forward. What, what was it about Germany that you thought was working? I thought just generally how they played. I thought they have, they were going forward pretty well. But as we, I think we both agree on this, they don't have that striker figure that can actually finish. I know Gundawa had a really good chance. I know Serge Gnabry had a couple good chances against France. And I think, like I said, in another day, that could be different. But then France also did have a lot of chances. I think France scored two or three offside goals. Um, before the Portugal versus Germany match, I was telling everybody, I think I told all of you as well, like, I think Germany is a really, really strong squad. And I was very confident that Germany would beat Portugal Hats off to Gozens and Kimmich. I think both of them really changed the entire dynamic of the team. I think Germany... I'm going to say I think Germany actually wins this Euros. That you think they're going to win this Euros? Yeah. Yeah, I'm very confident. So you've been saying England this entire time, and now you're switching to Germany of all countries. Uh, you know me. I like to switch. I like to switch, <laughs> I like to switch my allegiance to teams. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of England, they've, <laughs> they've been very, very poor uh, this tournament. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with Germany as tournament favorites. That is wild to me because I thought they were very poor in their first match against France. I didn't think they showed anything going forward. I thought they looked slow in transition. I didn't think they could handle players like Kylian Mbappe. And I think I was very surprised that Portugal lost to them and lost by such a weird scoreline, uh, conceding four against them. I still think Portugal are the better team between the two. In my opinion, I don't think there's any way that Portugal would beat Germany any given day. Portugal would have to be so lucky. They would have to do what they did in 2016 Euro final. I think Germany is just the stronger team. They completely bossed Portugal everywhere. They even had their fullbacks going up and playing as wingers. So I think that really showed you like the difference in the teams. I think Portugal specifically, I think Carvalho, Pereira... And Semedo are just liabilities. I'm just judging from that game. I can't say so much about 
Portugal versus Hungary because that's a different game. Robin Gosens just, yeah, he was just too good for Nelson Semedo. I think Germany's midfield is just too strong. That they don't, now I'm kind of convinced they don't really need that super striker. Maybe they don't need that Lewandowski player. They just need someone like Kai Havertz to be in the right place at the right time and just tap it in. I think that's sort of like an evolution of football that we're seeing right now where Chelsea are doing this, Manchester City are doing this. You sort of have two players who flow in between the striker position and flow in between a wide position in Havertz and Werner or Werner and Ziyech. Um, and Germany are doing the exact same thing where Gnabry and Havertz are kind of interchanging a lot there. So if they continue to create chances through their wingbacks and Kimmich Obviously, we know how good his delivery is. I definitely could see them not needing that perennial figure up front. And I do agree with what you're saying about Portugal's midfield as well, just because I don't think Fernando Santos has gotten the midfield balance right. And I do think there is a world where Portugal beat Germany just by playing different tactics and maybe something like a 4-2-2-2 that allows Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes to get into more advanced roles and Jota to play alongside Ronaldo or Andre Silva to play alongside Ronaldo. But I just think his balance in midfield has been very poor. The decision to not play Ronaldo Sanchez from the start once again was a strange one, especially how well he did against Hungary once he came on. So I worry for Portugal after saying in our preview show that I thought they they were going to win the tournament. We'll get a better idea after France versus Portugal. I think France is just going to absolutely dominate that game. And like I said, teams do change throughout the tournament. You change your formations, you change the way they play. You know, suddenly everyone's saying, oh, Robin Gosens, wow, I didn't know you were that good. <laughs> Maybe Robin Gosens ends up being the best player of the tournament. But the thing is, we probably the manager himself didn't even know that. Yeah, and... Uh... Not just uh, things change in terms of teams and their tactics, but apparently allegiances and uh, picks to win the tournament <laughs> also change here, as England have just been absolutely terrible, uh, in especially in their match against Scotland. I, I felt like they were the better team against Croatia, but I didn't see much creative spark at all, and that worried me going into their second match. Nil-nil here between England and Scotland. Supposedly the story was that Scotland's midfield completely stunted England's midfield and stopped them from progressing vertically and all of that. But I thought Mason Mount was like actually very good. And I didn't really think Billy Gilmore was that good at all, even though he got man of the match and was sort of praised for his performance. I thought Mount dominated that midfield, if anything. Uh, and just Scotland's defense was much better than England's attack, I think, in the end. Yeah, I, I think I'm just going to start with like the Billy Gilmore winning that man of the match kind of thing. I think that's more like narrative. He did. He played well. I, I think, you know, he wasn't bad. But I agree with you. I think Mason Mount was definitely one of the stars, if not the star player the, of the match. In terms of England-Scotland, I'm just going to say this one thing. It is the most English game or the most British or the most United Kingdom game ever. It's boring. There was nothing... See, the problem with England is that I think defensively, they actually have it going. Um, yes, they might crumble against stronger teams like France and Germany that would just absolutely boss them around. But the only problem with them is that they actually can't move forward. Like you said, the vertical passes and stuff like that. Yeah, they just don't have that creativity and they're actually really slow moving forward. Raheem Sterling was pretty disappointing against Scotland. Harry Kane, in my opinion, has probably been the worst player in the tournament so far. (laughs) 
with regards to his usual standards, there has to be pace. There needs to be like a faster flow in the game. It's just a high-paced game, right? Like, uh, you know, you can't have someone with who's very slow drop deep and not even play well. If he drops deep and plays well, then that would be a bit different. Then that, then I would point it to like Sterling and Foden and you know Rashford who came on after that. It's like where were you? But Kane wasn't. He was dropping deep and he wasn't doing anything either. Why drop deep when you have Mount already there? Or Declan Rice and Kelvin Phillips, who also didn't really have a good game as well. So it's just, yeah, I think it's just more like a personnel problem. Like it's, you know, I think Gareth Southgate definitely needs to take a look at the team, have the guts to actually bench Kane for the next game and play younger and fresher players. If it were me as Gareth Southgate right now, A, you need to be more attacking. That is clear. Like you cannot set up shop against Scotland and go, okay, we'll be okay with a nil-nil draw. Like you have to go out for the jugular and try and get the win and against czech republic i don't think i would start any of the front three i don't think i would start foden kane sterling don't think i would start calvin phillips i think an, an overhaul is needed there i would be tempted to go with rashford sancho and Grealish as the front three and just see what happens czech republic just look like a much more efficient team right now and they have a goal scorer who is in great form as well in patrick schick as well as a fullback who is been outstanding at the tournament once again like he was for West Ham all season long and uh, Vincent Sufal beyond Thomas Suchek and Sufal they have decent players who are easily capable of competing against England uh, and they shouldn't tie or beat England but if England are not going to attack it's going to make life very easy for a very solid defensive Czech Republic. What we're seeing right now with England is very typical England for at least like the past decade where they have a strong squad on paper. They have a huge following. They are pretty overrated. From you as well. You were saying that they were going to win this tournament. I overrate them a lot. You know, I've been doing this for the past decade. They have all their players. Well, with the exception of Jaden Sancho and Jude Bellingham this time. But usually all their players come from the Premier League, which is the so-called strongest slash or like competitive league in the world. Yeah. And they don't perform. I agree with you, Reese. I think Jaden Sancho should come on, Jack Grealish, but I think Dominic Calvert Lewin should come on instead yeah. of Marcus Rashford. If somehow Gareth Southgate's a magician and he can see the absolute future that England beats every single team up until the final and in the final on penalty shootouts, drawing nil nil all the way, then let's do it. <laughs> Isn't that basically what Portugal did to win the tournament? Like they won most of their matches on penalty kicks and then won an extra time against France? Portugal had the easiest route any team could ask for. They had... Okay, their group stage itself was pretty easy. And they drew three times. Yeah. Number one. They had yeah. Hungary in it. I forgot the, the other two. But um, they then they played Croatia in the round of 16. Then they played Poland. And then they played Wales. Yes, Wales did beat Belgium. But at the time, Kevin De Bruyne wasn't Kevin De Bruyne. Lukaku wasn't Lukaku that he is now. Eden Hazard was Eden Hazard, but he's still... <laughs> so, they play Wales, and they beat Wales. And up until the point they played Wales, that was the first time they actually beat a team in normal time. It was against Wales in the semis, right? So, and then they beat France. But I think that sort of thing is extremely rare case. Looking at the knockout stages right now, where the teams will end up, there's no way England's going to have an easy route. 
honestly, if England win this, I don't know. I think I'd rather have England just lose. Well, I don't know if I'd rather them lose, but like I just feel like Czech Republic are going to get a result here. Uh, but yeah, like getting second place might not be the worst thing. We'll have to see, I guess, as you keep saying as well. Let's just quickly go to Spain and then we'll finish up here. I don't really like this has been the group that right from the start just looked like it was going to be the most boring one and it definitely has. Spain looks so poor. They've had 73% possession in their matches so far, scoring one goal. How do you do that? How do you have 73% of the ball and score one goal? I think Spain and England actually have the same problem. Defensively and, and in terms of midfield, they actually, they're okay. They're not bad, right? Not super strong, but it's okay. I think the problem is just attack. They just don't have the players, they don't have the personnel and the strategy to go and score. Okay, Spain specifically in terms of how they play, I'll break it down minute to minute, okay? So, Spain dominate possession. You're going to break down the whole 90 minutes of this match? Is that what you're telling me? No, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what they do in any game they play. Okay. They play they play this style, okay? They play exactly how Barcelona play, but instead of Morata, instead of Messi, they they have Morata. Instead of Griezmann, they have Olmo, and instead of Dembele, they have Fran Torres. Okay? So that's or Jared Moreno basically. Yeah. Yeah. This is how they play, all right? They just pass the ball sideways. What they do is they get the ball, they pass 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 all the way to the wingers, and the wingers either do two things. They recycle back to the midfielders or they try to cross it. Of which it doesn't work, right? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a point where Spain has done something like an Mbappe or like maybe like a Memphis Depay, like a forward pass through ball, slice through the defense, and they have someone like Morata just sprinting through on goal. Right. It's never like that. Every team knows how to play against Spain. All they got to do is just park the bus, get a counter, and they'll probably score. I think that's a really good point you made about how they don't have like a Depay or a Mbappe type of figure because that can be so crucial to taking a good possession-based team into one that is very progressive and able to actually make something out of their possession, which they really have not been able to do. And I think they have progressive players in there. Like I think Pedri and Koke can be reasonably progressive. Koke more with passing and Pedri more with dribbling power. But he's no Jack Grealish, he's no Mason Mount, he's no like Mbappe or Depay, like you said. I think Spain would be lucky to top this group at this point. They've drawn both of their matches so far. Sweden beat Slovakia in the other match. Slovakia have three points on the board as well against Poland. Like, There's a real chance here that Spain finished third or last in this group. And even if they finish third, there's a chance they don't go through because they don't have any points on the board, really. That would be disastrous for them. It would, it would, and I, uh, I think Luis Enrique is definitely, and and the team is definitely gonna want to win this. Let's see the group E. It's not gonna, it's not gonna look good for them. They, they could, they could play France. <laughs> yeah, they could, I, they could play Netherlands. So yeah, it's just gonna be very tough for them. I think they're out at the round of sixteen, if not this group stage. I think they've been that bad. I, I agree. And I'm actually so disappointed because Spain was actually one of the teams that I really vouched for because I really judged them on like the game against Portugal. Like I said, if honestly they had a striker figure, doesn't even have to be Robert Lewandowski. Maybe someone like, even someone like Roberto Firmino, it could just be enough because they boss possession so much, right? Like, man, they made 600 passes and Poland <laughs> only made 100 passes. 
Against Sweden, Spain made 800 passes <laughs> and Sweden made 80 passes. But the 800 passes, 700 of those 800 passes were just passing back to the midfield. There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the problem. I think uh, I agree with you, man. I think Spain either gets out of this group or they get out of the round of 16. Yeah, so that's that's just shocking because I don't think many would have said that coming in, especially I think they had a very good qualifying run as well. So uh, a very disappointing start here by Spain. Uh, but Russell, it was so great having you on. As always, we missed Costi today, but I'm sure he'll be back next week. I think this is the first show we've done without Costi because I know you've missed some, but um, so I think this is the first one without Costi. So we missed you, Costi, and we hope to have you back next week. Russell, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Russell 96 on Instagram. That is R-U-S-S-E-L-L-T-H-O-96. You can find Costi and myself at Football Masterminds at Mastermind site at Desmond Reese. Be sure to check out what we have going on the mastermindsite.com. I'm going to be breaking down the tactics of every single group winner. The Italy one is already out. The Netherlands one is going to be out by the time this drops for you to listen to. Um, expect Belgium to be on its way as well as the winners of group D, E, and F, even if it's not England and I'll still do it as Czech Republic or whoever it ends up being. Uh, so definitely check those out on the site. And uh, be sure to be back for the next episode that we do. Russell, any final thoughts before you go? Nah, not really. (laughs) And we will end it there. So have a good one and goodbye.